0: Asalaamu Alaikum and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by The Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim and on this week's podcast I'm joined by Hussein Sharara from Wise Academy based out in Dearborn, Michigan. I actually met up with Hussein earlier this year um, when I was in America and I got to see the school that they have out there, Wise Academy um, where they've got hundreds of students and are doing remarkable things in the, in the local area. Um, one thing that stood out to me in particular was the way that he deals with with kids he does a lot of counseling with them um, and he has a very interesting and what i find to be unique approach um when it comes to to these particular matters to be honest i don't want to say too much more about the podcast i'd rather you just hear it from hussein's mouth himself um so without further ado here's my conversation with hussein sharara uh salaam alaykum hussein Asalaamu salaam
1: how are you
0: very good. Thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast. Um, so we, we met a couple of months ago. In fact, I don't know how long it was, maybe maybe almost a year now. Time does generally fly. Um, and we, had a, we met at, at the Wise Academy. We had a, a fascinating conversation. Um, and the reason I came down was because I'd heard a lot about Wise Academy itself. Um, so I was wondering, I guess, if you could share your experience of, of how you came to be involved with WISE Academy and, and what the Academy itself does.
1: Um, Actually, my start started in 2004. That's when basically my life changed. What happened was I was always involved in youth programs in, in indirect ways. We're just either playing flag football, um, just general things with the youth, and there was a, a person that lived across the street from me. And he just moved. And the reason he moved is his parents moved him from this one city to another because they didn't like his friends. He said the mother had an intuition that the friends were destructive. So there's nothing stronger, and I learned now than a mother's intuition It's one of the strongest powers out there. So the mother had an intuition, and the intuition was to move. So she forced the husband, said move, for our kids there's something i just don't like so she moved them from these friends because there's a notion that if you want to change your reality sometimes you have to change your environment because that's the way you change either you hit rock bottom or you change a friend a habit an environment and to change your reality in your personal reality you have to change your personality and the way you change your personality sometimes is just getting rid of that one negative friend Well, that's where good parenting comes in is because we're naive sometimes to that because of our our lack of experience. So unfortunately, though, we neglect parents' advice and we take the advice of our friends sometimes. And one of the reasons is ungratefulness. You know, that same parent who woke up for us every day at two o'clock in the morning to feed us, change our diaper. Well, if I were to wake you up every day at two o'clock in the morning, you throw your pillow at me. (laughs) You'd say, you know, get out of here. There's a crazy person. But the mother never did that. But then 15 years later, we're saying, Ma, what do you want? You're bugging me. And the reason is is because we didn't appreciate it. And it could be because our parents spoiled us. It could be multiple reasons. But it's one of the worst diseases out there is a kid who doesn't appreciate his parents, the one, the good parent, obviously, because there's nobody that loves you more. And if you can't appreciate that person, that's why we always tell Warn people, if you have a friend that picks up the phone and the mom calls them and says, hey, what do you want? You're bugging me. You put a big question mark around that friend and say, they can't be my friend anymore. Because if they're willing to do that to their friend, to their parents, imagine one day when you get close to them, they will be harsh to you. Just like relationships. You're in a relationship with somebody. Tells you, keep it a secret. Don't tell your parents. Hide it. Well, if that person's willing to hide something behind his mother, and my mother loves him the most. One day you marry that individual. What do you think that person will do to you? Oh, he'll go behind my back, just like he did his mother. That's why we have a 60-70% divorce rate. One of the reasons is just because of this behavior of lack of self-awareness and reflection of, wait a second, my intuition is there. Why am I not listening to it? Why am I ignoring it? Because our low desire is our body. We've lost our free will to it. So this mother, interesting, moved. So at the time, I moved. It was across the street from my mother's house where I lived at the time. And the Pistons were really good—the Detroit Pistons in basketball. So we'd always watch the Pistons. The kid changed. Became a straight A student. Was a ninth grader. Good friends. We'd see him every day. He even worked for me. You know, when I was selling fireworks and doing other things. And then, the Pistons won the championship, and we celebrated. And his brother took him back to the city that he was at originally to celebrate. And who did he see? His old friends. And his old friend says, hey, we started going to teen clubs. And, you know, come with us next week. Sneak out of your mom's house. See, habits can never disappear. But they can be overcome by other habits. That's why if you read a book like The Power of Habit, it teaches you that. The insanity is thinking that you could stay in the same environment and, and expect a different outcome. It's not going to happen. So that environment came back; those habits came back, and he did it. A week later, um, ran away. Not a ran away. I'm sorry. He uh, snuck out away. Snuck out home when his parents would have thought he went to bed, and his mother woke up to a phone call. Uh, we need you to come out here, about 15 20 miles away, to come to see if this is your son. She goes there, and they were, driving. What is they were driving down the road. The road split, and one of them was inebriated, was drunk. And he lost control of the vehicle, and that one boy got ejected from the car and instantly died. So now the mother gets there to identify the body. She looks and says, oh, my God, that's my son who I thought was sleeping in my bed. And when she looks up, she sees the boys that she removed, wanted to move away her son from. She says, you're the boys that I wanted That I wanted my son to have nothing to do with. I had an intuition you were going to kill my son. And my intuition came true. And it left such a resonating thing on my soul that I said, wow. What can I do for the rest of my life to stop that from happening? And that's what's happened. Well, I changed the direction of my life to do that work. To help mothers from grieving. Because there's... Two types of cries that I've heard. I heard that mother cry over her son's death. It was one of the worst cries out there. But a worse cry is a mother who cries over her son that's lost her soul to sin and vices. That's the worst cry I've ever heard in my life. And I'm bent on spending the rest of my life to try to prevent that by changing perceptions and beliefs. And that's what I did, so... I started creating in my mind and embracing the vision of the future that I wanted. And that's where weird doors started opening up. I got involved in a camp. It's called Camp Taha. It's the only Muslim camp in the world. It's 100 acres. It's about a $20 million facility. And people from all over the world come. And we started that project. And then there's a, we started after school programs, youth programs. And then eventually, parent came and said, we need a school. We don't have any Islamic school within our community that's for high school. So we started that, and within all that, we created it within our mind first. We built a 100,000-square-foot facility, a five-star facility, and we do all types of programs, from youth programs, Saturday schools. I do all the counseling wise. I'm big into cognitive behavior, behavioral science, and I'm interested in the intuition of why people do what they do. And I drive myself nuts about it. Every day I meet somebody and I try to just see things about their personality, and I tell them things about themselves before they open their mouth. So for instance, recently, you know, we know that the stress that we create through past events because we can't let it go deregulate genes. And when that, that happens, that's what causes cancer and illness. And we don't realize that that's happening because we couldn't forgive somebody. But we held an emotion to something that happened in the past, either through molestation, abuse, something. So it was a, about a month ago, I was at an engagement, and the lady was serving food. And I told the brothers around me, I said, this lady is, is, has an illness, some type of sickness, and she doesn't realize it's because she's so kind and somebody abused her kindness, and she cannot forgive that person anymore. It's on her mind all the time. So we we create stress from the past and our body doesn't know that it's not happening anymore. Because to our body, something that happened in the past when we create it, it's current. Just like a dream that we never wake up from. For an animal, the stress of running away from a lion is there that eventually goes away when the lion goes away. For us, that line of the emotion of the past never goes away. So that's what causes illness. So when I asked the lady, they, they made me ask her, the question is: This true? Is, is this
0: like... So, sorry to cut you off. This, this yeah. almost sounds like I'm. I'm. I'm mesmerized. Like I mean, you've been talking for about I don't know seven, eight minutes, and and I could I could listen to you talk endlessly, but it almost sounds like you're describing a a, a magic power of some sort. Um, is this? Do you believe this is like something that's almost God given, or is it through actually? You know, as you said, you study and, and you read a lot around Look, cognitive behavior and all that kind of stuff.
1: I think the biggest, if anybody wants to say magic and replace it for divinity, there's nothing more magical than when you're in the womb. What gave the instruction set out there that your body's full of collagen to give you the cornea around your eyes, your ears, to develop your brain? To me, that instruction set is magnificent. What set it in place. Where our DNA, where you unravel it, it goes to the sun and back five times. My thinking is that if you tap into that awareness, and you no longer live in the emotion of the past, but you have a vision of the future. Most of us have a vision of the future by looking at the, through the lens of the past, and we can't let it go. So when, that, when I asked that lady, I said, you know, you, you have an illness, it's because you have somebody you can't forgive. When you learn how to forgive them, your life will change. And she looked at me and she goes, are you a psychic? And I told, and she did, not She I go, no, but she doesn't know that I've been doing this for 14 years nonstop, thousands of meetings, and I've just become aware. And every human being could have that magic in them. Learning how to become aware and not allowing a thought to slip through. See, my change in reality, one of my big changes is when I realize that not all my thoughts are true. So when I do counseling, like recently a sister says, I'm so stupid, can't accomplish anything. I said, okay, did you, how'd you do on your last test? Oh, I got an A. I So isn't that an accomplishment? Is it true? And when somebody says, I can't do something, just say you can't do it yet. Watch what magic happens. Because when you put your attention goes, energy flows. And unfortunately, most of us have lost our free will to the body. And we don't want to take it back because we think it's the right thing to do. That's why when you wake up, people check their WhatsApp, they check their phone, they remember their ex-husband and there's their day. And I said, wow. I said, and the people said, well, why don't you try to change that?'" I said, well, it feels right to feel this way. People live in grief and they don't realize it's grief anymore because they think it's right. I tell them it's not right. It's just familiar. And You've been doing it for so long that you've Unfortunately, you cannot break the habit of your being yourself. So, one of the ways to break that is to go back to that emotion. So, one of the ways we do that, multiple ways. Let's say somebody, your ex-husband, took advantage of you, abused you. Forgive him because you already separated. Stop allowing for him to take your free will and your joy. Well, how do you know you truly forgive somebody? Is you no longer emotional when you think of them? See, we wake up, the first thing we think about is the grief. And it gets triggered in multiple ways. Through our phone when we check our Instagram, through the car that he drives, whatever it is. And my thinking is, well, instead of using your emotion through your brain, which is a record of the past, use an emotion and to a future of something that you want. Because what's an emotion? It's an end product of a memory. So if I were to ask you, brother, where were you on 9-11? At school, okay. Where where were you sitting?
0: I remember I was in the IT room at school. We were in IT class, and and the news. What were up you doing and... the day before? No clue.
1: No idea. The day? At, no. no idea. Why? Because that was an emotional <laughs> event. Yeah. You notice it becomes a memory. You'll never forget it because it has an emotional stamp on your brain when you put your awareness there. See, I asked you something. Nine eleven. Your awareness went to that part of your mind, and your mind is your brain in action, and you were able to recall it within a second. Well, yeah. most people live in grief because of that, because they're able to recall things in a second, and it becomes very familiar. So now imagine using an emotion and tie it into something in the future that you want. And envision that and embrace that. And no longer use emotion just for the past, but of something of the future, and how that would feel. Because we wait to change when a calamity hits, when stress hits, when you've hit rock bottom. I say, why not change during joy and happiness and learn how to break the habit of being yourself? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey came to LA. He was a famous actor. He had no money. He wrote himself a $10 million check. You know, Salam, some, somebody says, you, right now you write a $10 million check and you tell people, I'm gonna cash this in five years. Yeah. What would people tell you? So you're, you're crazy. Because yeah, if it's... they believed you, they'd steal the check. <laughs> Nobody would believe you. But you notice that's the key. Is you first have to believe in yourself. I know it sounds corny, but it's so true. So Jim Carrey, would write, would look at this check that he cashed in November of 1995. He wrote it in 1990. But he worked hard towards that. So that's where the hard work comes in. Five years later... He got his break. He did In Living Color. And then he did the first movie, Ace Ventura. Then he did The Mask. Then he did Dumb and Dumber, of all movie titles. They sent him a check for $10 million. No way. And you know, we don't believe in coincidence. He created that. You know People are looking for love. They're looking for wealth. You cannot find wealth unless you feel abundant. You can't find love unless you learn to love yourself. Can't find moments of awe unless
0: you feel all within you. So, so, so I, that's one, th- yeah. No, I, one. as in, with, with regards to, to the stuff that you do in the school, because I can imagine mm-hmm. being a 12, 13, 14 year old sitting and listening to this kind of stuff, it can be mm-hmm. quite life changing. Um, yes. And, and you know, the, the stuff that you're kind of reinforcing, I think, is incredible and something that that needs to happen.
1: Um, right, and, I, and I've manifested that where I wanted to help parents. So when I, when I take a straight E student and I make a straight A by giving an emotion of how it's going to feel. Remember, feelings. Everybody says, oh, I feel this way. Well, that's the language of the body. Thoughts are your language of the mind. When yeah. you put them together, it's your state of being. And then when you put an action behind it, it's your personality. So then you tell your kid, okay, you're getting straight E's. Well, let's look at your reality. It's current. Who are your friends? Oh, I surround myself with losers, people who swear, don't do homework, talk back to their parents. What do, do you want to be? Oh, I want to be an MBA player. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I said, okay, I'm best friends with an MBA player. This is the way he lived his life. So if the person is convinced that they have what it takes of that future reality, but they're willing to change their personality, they have an instant metamorphosis. So that's when a short time I take straight E students, Make them straight A. They get full ride scholarships. I've helped people suicide achieve, you know, health. People who are broke, you know, I've, so many people will come in here that because I, I I interview all the teachers and the teachers, well, some of the teachers will have like a side business, an Instagram, something they're selling, but they're scared to be fully committed. And I won't hire them, and I'll teach them to be fully committed in that venture and, and becoming an entrepreneur. One year later, said that was the greatest thing you've ever done to me. And sometimes you sit with kids and parents, and I just tell the kid, just go look at your environment tomorrow. Be aware of the thoughts that you have. Go look at your friends. Your friends are going to be your kids. The type of personalities your friends are, that's going to be your kids. And then they'll come back within three months. The mother will want to hug me. Letters from the teachers. What happened? Oh, life changed. Well, how? Well, I have a vision of now, of the future that I want, and I'm an emotion of how it's going to feel when I get there. It's that simple. Unfortunately, most of us live in the past. And our familiar past is our predictable future. We need to take our free will back by telling the body, hold off. Not right now, I'm going to get to you. But in the morning, I'm going to start my day off with success. And that's it. It's really that simple. So, so
0: it's, it sounds like that, that sort of formula that you just gave about tying an emotion to the future and you know, the version of yourself and yes. what you want to achieve is, is the key, essentially, to everything.
1: Right. That's where meditation comes in. You know, when you think about, you reflect, and you pray. You know, even within Muslims, they pray. But just like tying your shoes, that's how prayer is to most people. Because remember, a habit is when you no longer use your mind um, to, to do something. It's your body doing it. It's your subconscious self. Unfortunately, prayer is like that. Because if you pray five times a day, it becomes very routine. So what do we teach adults, youth, when I do meditation sessions? Pray with intention. What is one thing you want to ask for? What's one person you want to pray for? What's one calamity that you're going through? What is one vision of the future that you need help with? Then pray. Your prayer has now a different meaning. That's one thing that we forgot that the prophets used to pray. They used to go in the middle of the night and meditate. Contemplate. And the first rule of every religion is contemplation, reflection. What? You have to do self awareness. Knowledge is power, knowledge of the self is self empowerment.
0: So, how? There, there was a piece of advice that you gave me which I, I mentioned to you just before this, I didn't implement, but okay. it, it made me think a lot, and that was about how you start your day. And you've mentioned this generally as well just now in kind of passing, but. Mm-hmm it was around basically the first half an hour or 45 minutes of your day, don't check your phone and right. use that time to to meditate, to read, to potentially pick up a new skill, whatever it might be, yeah. but kind of live in the moment. Um, and I-
1: it, yeah, Everybody wants a reality for themselves that they would love to have. It's like when a kid tells me he wants to make the NBA. It says be as positive as can you make the NBA, but I tell him, okay, five o'clock at In the morning, wake up. If it's raining, if it's hot, no excuses. Five o'clock in the morning, wakes up. Some of us do the same with prayer. They wake up and say, ah, I'm too tired. They go back to sleep. So your mind says one thing, but your body took over. And that. So how do we overcome that? So the way you overcome that is you have a vision of the future that you want, that you're willing to sacrifice for. And you have to do it with joy. A lot of people think that growth comes first. Success comes first, then joy. You cannot have growth without feeling joy first. You can't go to the gym and be unhappy and say, this stinks. You got to embrace it because you have a vision of the future of how you're going to look when you do it. So that's what you do in the morning. You wake up, you want to check your WhatsApp, you're going to get your coffee, you're going to brush your teeth, use the restroom, you tell your body, hold off, I'm going to get to you. But this first 15 minutes, I'm in a state of creation and embracing A vision of the future, of the vision of the day that I want. So that's when you're grateful for a few minutes of the people around you. You feel uh, prayers that you want to send people to. Then you close your eyes and you say, what is the vision of the future that I see? And tie an emotion to it and physically make your body there. If anybody thinks they can't do it, just think of the last dream that you had. The last nightmare. The last great dream. Did your body think it was actually happening? Yes. So you could do that while making, because when you're dreaming and sleeping, you're in delta and theta waves. You could actually be in those types of brain waves right when you wake up. But as soon as you check your phone and get those big dopamine hits, you go right away to beta waves. And that's your analytical self, and it's very hard to turn off. So you want to stay in those low brain waves and meditate. There's a, There's an app called Headspace. Just learn how to breathe. Calm down and say, okay, what is it that I want? What are the limiting beliefs that I have? What are things that I have to be aware of? Do I complain? Am I am I edgy? Am I angry? Do I just always ungrateful? Am I talking back to my mom? Do I always have to remind it to do things? Well, how do I change that? Well, envision and embrace and actually see yourself doing it. That's what. That's why I'm fascinated by success. Like I have... A cousin of mine, who he just did one reflection. His friend came and told him at the age of 18. Because it just takes one moment, one vision. Just like I had with that mother who lost her son. And then it opens up the floodgates of weird doors that open up when you do that. The the man told him, you know, this friend told him, steal credit cards. And we'll split the money. We'll take it to a smoke shop. uh, Run the credit cards, we'll split it. The next day he comes and says, Where's the credit card? He says, I didn't want to do it. I thought about it. I don't want to do it. His friend looked in and says, You'll be nothing but a loser your whole life. See, we lose our free will and our imagination to somebody else's ad- imagination. We become submissive. That's why I always going on Instagram, Facebook, and we're submissive to other people's imaginations. And we lose our free will. We become very unhappy, especially if they mislead us. He said, I don't want to do it. His friend looked at him and said, you're going to be a loser your whole life. Fast forward 20 years. His friend comes to him. Now the person who rejected him becomes number one and became top in sales. And he came to him and says, oh, I haven't seen you in 20 years. You want to buy something? He says, no, I really can't afford it. I just need some money. So he gave him the money, yes, for a couple hundred dollars. And this guy had a family with kids. And he's asking for a couple hundred dollars. So if you're in your 40s asking for a couple hundred dollars, you know you have problems. You've made a lot of bad decisions. And he cried right after that person left. He said, that would have been me if I didn't reflect 20 years ago not to follow him. There's another person, and his name is Ali Rida. He, um, he's Guinness Book of World Records. He's a Muslim brother who sold more cars than any other human being. He sold eight cars a day for one year straight.
0: He said, how? and
1: I asked him, how'd you do this? He says, every day I woke up to my father beating up my mother, every day. And every day, I looked at her and said, this is how I'm not gonna be. Unfortunately, he says, that's what drove me to take care of my mother. Unfortunately, we have stress, we've been molested, hurt, we go down the wrong path, we use that emotion of that event as an excuse not to be great because of our limiting beliefs. And I get it. It's not fair that somebody did that to you, but you have to learn how to overcome of that habit, entire vision of the future. Not allow that person to take that joy from you. And that's what I really try to do with people.
0: If I can take you back uh, quickly to you mentioned, you know, coming back to the whole routine in the morning and and disassociating and yeah. the different types of waves. One thing, and I, and I want to talk specifically about the younger generation here, because obviously you work mm-hmm. with a lot of kids. Um, one thing that people often talk about with regards to the different generations is that the younger generation now are more hooked on their technology. They have shorter Correct. attention spans. We're lazier as a generation as well compared to our our fathers and, and grandfathers and whatever else. Um, yes. What's, and, and there's also a sense of entitlement and everything else. Do you, do you think that's a fair generalization? And how have you tackled uh, well, technology within uh, Wise Academy? Well, and, you know, kids and phones yeah. and there's always well, issues around let, that.
1: Let's look at the data. Yeah. Nobody's ringing the alarm bells. In the last 40 years, homicide rates amongst teens was higher than suicide rates up until 2012. 40. Where it wasn't even close. It's 40, 50 percent died through homicide compared to suicide well since 2012 that number has flipped you don't see numbers like this where now more teens are dying through suicide than homicide what's happened what happened in 2012 2012 is when 50 percent of the world owned an iphone well what happened well you wake up and if you spend more than ten hours a week on Facebook and Instagram, because we check our phone about hundred times a day, sixty percent of that is through procrastination where it really it was meaningless. So it was just a habit. You didn't have control over it. So when they check it and they see everybody is happy and they see a false reality and they think that they're sad. And now when they post something, it's most likely just to get likes. Not just the poster for the sake of posting. They want to make sure everybody likes it. And if people don't like it, then they become sad. And they look at everybody else's reality and they think, oh, I'm unhappy. Everybody else is happy. That's why when you spend more than 10 hours a week on Facebook or Instagram, become depressed. Levels go up by 30 to 40%. So you go to Facebook and Instagram to become depressed. You are not depressed, then go. Well, why is that happening? Well, if you look at it, in the 90s, people how do people become alcoholics? Because they started as a teenager. Well, what happened? Well, they went to parties on weekends. They drank alcohol. They felt good. So well, then what would happen? It would be during the week, a traumatic event would happen. Say, so, oh, well, I want to feel good. Well, last time I felt good, I drank alcohol. So let me try that again. Well, now the same thing is happening with the phone. We felt good. We went on Instagram. Somebody liked our post. That was a good feeling. Or well, now a traumatic incident happened, now I'm alone in my room, I'm going to go to my phone. Yeah. And now that becomes our elixir out there to help us. So what we've basically done to the generation is basically tell them, well, when you're sad, here's the liquor cabinet, which is the iPhone, here you go. And we're seeing astronomical levels of depression, suicide, cyberbullying, cut, cutting themselves because of that. So I'm not saying not to use Instagram or Facebook. I'm saying use it as a tool, but it needs to be monitored. So then when I do it at school and I see a kid who's falling by the wayside, I see a kid who's getting straight, you know, E's or D's, and I say, give me your phone for two weeks. Because you want this vision of the future, but every time you do your homework, you have your phone next to you, you're checking it. You spend two hours on Snapchat on a meaningless conversation. You are on Netflix all weekend when you should have been studying. I said, just give it to me. And then I would do mood tests. Day one, Brother Hussein took my phone. It's like losing my arm. I can't handle it. Day two, oh, I'm still anxious, but I did my homework. I didn't get distracted. Day three, I sat with my parents. and actually had a conversation. Day four, first time I walked around the block in over a year. Two weeks later, I want to give them the phone back. They say, no, keep it until the end of the year because they saw a change in personality and they see a change in the reality. And they say, wow, I like that. And now they start investing in the future. Unfortunately, parents are not equipped on how to deal with this iPhone generation. And there's a huge gap. Nobody's ringing the alarm bells, but the data is out there. But we need to control it. And one of the things that we have to do with kids is stop comparing themselves with other people. The only person that you should compare your, son, your daughter or son with is their future self. So now when a kid gets a bad friend, is on Instagram too much, Facebook, whatever, Netflix, just ask them, would your future self be happy with that? Because you said you wanted to become a doctor, a lawyer, an NBA player. I didn't say that. A soccer player, you said that. Well, does your reality right now envision that reality in the future? And does your personality match? If it doesn't, what are things you have to change about your personality? Well, i got to disconnect from my phone. Well, i got to do things without being told.
0: And, and, that's, and what about the, the parents themselves? Because I, I feel like when it comes yeah, to... We have this,
1: really bad parenting going on right now. So we've This, either, this is the problem, I feel. Of, yes, there's two types of parents. The ones that don't love their kids, don't give them enough attention, and the ones I give them too much. I tell parents, if you're doing, you know, the, the kid says, I want to be successful. I want to become a doctor. I said, okay, well, how do you know you're going to be successful? So well, if I do good in school, I said, it has nothing to do with school. I started with school. School is a four-year vacation. College is another four-year vacation. Because if you're good in science and somebody else isn't, that somebody else just has to study four more hours. There's no creativity needed. I said, what is the, the life skill that you need in order to be successful, which is willpower? I said, just look at the garbage can. If it's full, most kids walk away from it. Or they tell their parents tell them, take it out. So success is doing it without being told. I said if a parent is still doing their kids' bed and they're a teenager, still taking out the garbage, still cooking all the food, doing their laundry, good luck. Because now it's basically your son is going to the gym. And you're telling your son, "I'll lift the weights for you," or your son is practicing soccer, <laughs> and say, "I'll practice for you." So parents need to give all their problems back to their kids and allow them to grow and fall. But we're in a society where it's so where it's fear. We don't allow our kids to go out and explore to make mistakes because of that fear. So we end up spoiling them with the hope that they'll appreciate it, and that's insanity. If I give it, if I give you an iPhone time for free and I give you one that you had to work hard for which one would you appreciate when you work hard for I tell the the parents all the time I said why do you love your son said if I if I brought somebody who looks just like your son would you take care of him the same way they say no so why is this one special why is it when a child is born out of wedlock that the child stays with the mother 93 percent of the time why is it not 50 50 why the other 8%, 4% is like your aunt or your grandma, then the other 4 is the father? It's because the mother went through a pain. Her back hurt when it was in the womb. Sleepless nights. When she gave birth, it was the worst pain. But God is merciful. Why would God allow that? You blink 30,000 times a day. You don't even have to think about blinking. Think about that. You blink. You just blink, brother. You don't have to think about it. Imagine if somebody had to remind you to blink, you'd go nuts. So what happened? So the parent says, "Oh yeah, I had to suffer." So now we've taken that suffering away from the child, and the child is told to appreciate it. It's not going to happen. So now when I see a kid who runs away from home, bad grades, this or that, I never blame them. It's just really bad parenting. And, and that's what. And the and the parents have to say, "What are things that I have to change about my personality?" Yeah. So that my kids don't become lost, and unfortunately, they blame the environment. It's the father's fault. It's his friend's fault. No, what about you that you need to change? We we yeah. expect to have the same personality in a different reality, and that's insanity.
0: W- with regards to uh, you mentioned that the, the kind of fear is losing um, our kids, yes. right? By 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 one of the extremes, so either being smothering them too much, I guess, with love and, and, and right. you know, wrapping them in cotton wool, so to speak. Or right. on the other end, neglecting them and, and being selfish with ourselves. Right. In your experience, have you come across situations, kids, circumstances, families where it is a lost cause? Because I, I feel like that's something that, you know, we talk about, oh, you don't want to get to that point of being lost, but what happens then? What what what's over the cliff's edge?
1: Well, I, honestly, I've dealt with 70-year-old men, 65. So I've, I'm, I'm big on spontaneous remission. Why do people who are told they have two weeks left to live and then two weeks later that cancer is gone? How does that happen? So I don't believe in any lost cause from the physical to the metaphysical to the spiritual. And that, that person needs, you can never help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. And there's two ways to change. You either hit rock bottom or you change your environment. And you. And the way you would change your environment is you want something that's greater than yourselves and you're willing to make sacrifices now because you feel the joy of what, what's going to happen. So I've dealt with parents where the kid's 25. I say, okay, pack up all of his problems in a suitcase and hand it back to him Well, they're scared to let him go. I, say, I tell parents, allow your kids to walk around the block. Go to the friends with movies, let them make mistakes. It's never been safer in society to exist, ever. But yet, because of the fear that's out there in the media, we're so scared, that's why when I go to the park, I don't see anybody. So this one mother in particular wasn't listening. I'd go to the house, could develop bad habits, the cops would come, they would tase them, he'd be on drugs. And one day he decided, you know, to go out and just light a whole building on fire. Now he's serving 20 years in prison. But even then in prison, he could change. I don't believe in lost cause. But I do believe that unless somebody wants to change, you know, I've, I've been in situations where I've almost given up this work. Where I sat across from somebody and I said, you know, what's going on? Well, the father was like, well, he, he, he moved out of my house. I was paying him $1,000 a week. He went with his friend we take some dumb advice sometimes. His friend convinced him to move out, work with him, and make hundred dollars a week. I said, "Why would you do this? this is why I want to be on my own?" For what? Somebody's giving you a blessing. You've now turned it and made it a curse. What are you doing? So I said, and then his friend kept calling. So he said, "Pick up your phone." And he picked up his phone, and it was friend. It's a twenty-year-old boy, beautiful boy. But it took one bad friend to change his direction. And his friend was like, where are you? What are you doing? He says, oh, I'm sorry. I'll call you right back. He hung up. He said, wow, with your friend, you were nice. But with your father, you're willing to walk away from. What are you doing? So I ended the meeting in 10 minutes. I said, that friend one day will kill you. Be careful. He doesn't care for you. Because any friend that's telling you, giving you that advice is an enemy of God. Be careful. I woke up that morning with a nightmare of that boy. I texted the father. I told the father, keep your eyes on your son. Don't take your eyes off of him. said a bad dream. father replied, full-time job. Two weeks go by, the father had to go to Lebanon on an emergency trip. He left the son behind. That same friend convinced him to buy a motorcycle. Took the motorcycle, got hit by a car, instantly passed away and the father called me so my dream came true and he said but use my son's death to help thousands of youth so they don't have to do what he did to learn and i've taken him and it left a huge impact on me and i said i'm gonna spend the rest of my life again i was just another wake-up moment in my life to stop that from happening And it's, I have tissues all over my office. I'm crying, you know, I've dealt with, you know, prostitutes that are just so desperate within our community. Abused women, men that are just so limited in terms of their beliefs. And it's it's really disheartening sometimes. But the most amazing thing is knowing that you are the problem sometimes, but there's a solution within you that already exists within that quantum world. And whenever you put your awareness towards it and your energy, weird doors open up after a few days. That's where meditation, self-reflection comes in. And that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life. To me, there's nothing greater than helping somebody get closer to that pure existence, and in the same time, you become closer to that pure existence.
0: I was going to ask, actually, about about your like yourself and your experience through all of this because obviously you know you, you speak to dozens and dozens of people on a on a regular basis um helping them with their problems counseling them families parents kids whatever it might be but doesn't it then also take its toll on you emotionally it's it's draining it, it, is there an impact there okay, can you
1: repeat that
0: Sorry, no, what I was saying is that, that all the work that you're doing, yes. doesn't that have an impact on yourself as well? Like in terms oh, of yes. isn't that emotionally draining and, and, and
1: exhausting. Yes. So I know when does it become draining? I think for me, the only time I ever get drained is when I lose my awareness. So you can be aware all day where you don't allow a negative thought to slip through, where you catch it and you don't allow it to seep into your body when you become agitated because something happened, something didn't go your way, you become depressed because you really couldn't help somebody, then you're living in a state of survival. You know, it's when you become angry and then you cannot become aware. You know, you can't be grateful and angry at the same time. It's impossible. So I know when I'm in that type of state, I lose my awareness and I become very short sighted. And then something will wake me up and say, hey, what am I doing? And what I do is I, I, I practice certain things. Like I, I tell people, okay, be aware of three. The next three, if you become angry, just be aware of the next three times you become angry today, and don't act on that. So I did it recently. I went to the a basketball game, and somebody cut me off while I was waiting in line, and I beeped. And the person next to me says, "Why'd you beep?" I said, "I'm all for one." Then. I go into the um, uh, the game and it's halftime and they're throwing shirts out from the from the court to the stands where I'm sitting. Yeah. So I believe in mental imagery. Creating something within your mind and you'll attract it. So I just did a quick mental imagery of the ball or the shirt coming right to me. You were getting
0: a shot weren't you?
1: And it came in your to, head. Yeah, in my head. So I created it <laughs> and it came right to me. So it came right to me. I caught it and the person from behind me grabbed it from my hand and took me. And I was about to ch- And I said, no. I said, I'm one for two. And then I'm waiting in line to use the restroom in the family restroom because usually those are the cleanest restrooms. So I'm waiting. And some guy cuts in front of me and you know, says, Oh, I got to use it. And I was about to say, and I said, okay, I'm two for three. And I believe if we do that, negative things that we have about ourselves, and you just be aware of it that throughout the day, you actually break the habit of being yourself, and you change. See, to me, what I was fascinated about was the placebo. Why is it when I give somebody a Motrin, their headache goes away, but if I give somebody the same type of a pill, that's tell them it's a Motrin, but it's a sugar pill, their headache goes away? Why is every drug study in America done with a placebo? It's because that pill, you surrender to that belief that that pill would help you. And those thoughts created a pharmacy within your body that caused the headache to go away. So my belief is you could become the placebo. And that's amazing. You don't need to be tricked. That's why I studied um, spontaneous remission, where I dealt with people who even had parents at our school. They were going to die. And two weeks later, that cancer is gone. What happened? Well, I surrendered to the belief of how it's going to feel when the cancer is gone. And I prayed for it. That's why when a Hindu prays, a Jew prays, a Christian, anybody prays, but they surrender to that belief of how it's going to feel emotionally, it happens. Unfortunately, we live in grief. And now even if a doctor tells us that we're going to die in two months, and then they die, and when they do a check, an autopsy, there was no cancer cells, well, what happened? That thought actually killed them. See, I... I are they, are Camb- there
0: cases of those kind of things happening? Yeah, yeah.
1: there's many cases. Look at voodoo. How does voodoo work of years ago? Somebody casted a spell. And then the voodoo doctors would have to come and act like there was a snake in them. And they'd be instantly cured. Cambodian women were traumatized. Okay? Their husbands mm-hmm. and their kids were thrown against trees and killed in the 70s. America came in, saved them, migrated them to North America. Many of them went blind, but the blind wasn't physical. It was, um, it was uh, through trauma, the blindness. And um, so I said, you know, and then they were able to get their sight back. How did they get their sight back? Through meditation and yoga. So I asked, I said, I want to meet somebody like this. Because that's very, very rare. Less so than half percent of the world's population go blind through trauma. And then get their vision back. I said, I want to meet somebody. Well, so in two weeks, I'm going through an issue at work and I'm being interviewed. And the lady looks at me and says, don't make this a big deal. You know, I've gone through, I've been blind. I said, what do you mean you've been blind? She says, yeah, I was blind. I said, did you go blind through trauma? She goes, how did you know? I said, uh, you wouldn't understand how I know. <laughs> and I said, you could see. She goes, yeah, I went through trauma. I was at the city of Detroit. It went bankrupt. I didn't have a family. I lost my health insurance. I lost my pension, everything. And that trauma caused me to go blind. And the doctor said I'd never see again. I said, you could see now. I said, yeah. I said, How? So are you able to see through meditation and yoga? And her jaw drops. Goes, how do you know? And I'm thinking this is what I prayed for. And we really, most of us, don't have that certainty that when we pray for and we tie an emotion, it's not going to happen. And if you believe it's not going to happen, then that belief will come true. So Henry Ford says, "If you think you can, if you think you can't, you're right. It's so true." But unfortunately, we have setbacks in life. We use that as an excuse. Not to move forward. and you don't realize every setback that you have in life is a setup for something bigger. And you need to surround yourself up with people who are not negative, ambivalent, who you say who bring you down. everybody has at least one negative person to get out of their life. to say, I got get I gotta move away from this toxicity and create that vision of the future that I want. And I need help with people to embrace that and find people we don't realize that we don't find that, actually, you attract such people. But you have to be willing to take that first step. And most said, of us are not willing.
0: Uh, on this, sorry, you said earlier that either we have to hit rock bottom or we need to change our... Uh, environment. S- environment. Community, that,
1: environment, yes.
0: Is that a physical thing? So, for example, I, I live in, in northwest London. Does that mean I need to move location? Well, or is it emotion- a case of... It
1: could, be, it could be emotional, it could be behavioral... It's just the fact that when something happens... Uh-huh, so
0: even changing your habits, for example. Yes, being able to.
1: So instead of waking up, and your environment is to check your phone, to go on Instagram, to check the news, or to, to, to remember that your ex-husband or that trauma, changing the environment where you're no longer held hostage by those emotions and thoughts, it could just yeah. be that. But unless you're self-aware of that, the 95% of what you do is a string of habits, because you have 70,000 thoughts a day. 90% of them are the same thoughts as yesterday. 70 to 80% are negative. So that's why when I look at somebody, I tell them your familiar past is your predictable future. That's why I look at somebody. I said you don't probably. You, 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 you belittle your wife or the kid I said you don't hug your mom and the mom's like and the kid says yes I do and the mom's like no he hasn't hugged me in five years so at the end of that conversation I said am I right about your past and the person would say yeah recently we were interviewing a student because there's an acceptance they have to be interviewed and the, the father says yeah he has this girlfriend but he's leaving her and that's why I'm moving him and we're going to Lebanon and you know he'll forget about her because she's really limiting him She's distracting. So I'm looking at this boy and I say, so where are you meeting this girl in Lebanon? And the father looks at me and says, Oh, no, no, he's going to Lebanon, not her. I said, I know, but I asked your son a question. Where are you meeting this girl in Lebanon? And the boy goes, oh, I'm meeting her at this restaurant called Khalifa in Lebanon. The father goes, huh? I said, wait, hold on. I said, did you convince your father to go to Lebanon because she's going or she convinced her parents Go because you're going. And the father goes, and you know, in (laughs) Arabic, Ya Kalb, you told me you want to go to Lebanon to have free time, and you're going for this girl. And I asked, I said, Was I right about your past? He says, Yeah. I said, No, I'll be right about your future unless you change your personality. Just change, just stop living in the state of stress. You know, you cannot be creative. If you're drowning from an ocean of past events of stress, it's like when somebody comes and tells me, I said, What's wrong? He oh, somebody died. said, how long? Oh, it's a year. So we don't realize a mood is a long, strung out emotion after a couple days. Then it becomes your temperament if it's a couple months. A year becomes your personality. And it's so familiar, you don't even realize that it's you anymore. They mm. so ask, what happened? I'm in grief. People are in so much in grief, they don't even realize it's grief. So what happened? Or a year ago, somebody died. said, okay. Let's say you switch places with that person. What would you tell that person if they were living in grief? Why well, you tell them to move on, keep going, keep progressing? So you realize? You're not really living in that, the spirit of that person. I said, you're not living in their name and their behalf. Unfortunately, we just have so many of these thoughts that aren't true, and we're limiting ourselves by them. And We have to really break the habit of being ourselves. It's hard. Change is hard, but actually it's the resistance to change that's hard. We come up with so many clever excuses why we shouldn't change because we think it's right the way we feel. I'm telling people it's not right. It's just familiar. And we have to learn to become familiar with something else. And that's actually what meditation is. Meditation is to become familiar with.
0: Taking a, a quick step back from from the Conversation at hand, I think what's just reflecting um, for myself. What's very interesting, and and again, when we met and I came to Wise Academy, um, and and you know you took me on a tour around. I think the ethos of the place is what's what's very interesting, and and everything that you've discussed and and the experiences that you've had working with young people and families. It's not something that you often um, associate with school. Or with, right. you know with, with education and, and like you know counselors and things like that often it's very much geared towards you know as someone working in a school environment i would have expected to hear a lot more about studies and how to mm-hmm. study effectively but but for you it's all about life the and I think,
1: system is archaic in nature it's 100 years yeah. 200 hasn't changed what's happening is corporate america is screaming because these kids are coming to their jobs. And as, as soon as they're challenged, they want to quit or look for a new job. Because yeah. emotionally, they can't handle it. So schools are not teaching the life skills. That's why I have the whole school meditating. We start our day six minutes of success with affirmations, gratitude, and meditation. And we teach the life skills that when somebody tells you, no, you can't do something, just don't give up. Teachers are getting fired, even in colleges, because they're being tough with students. And the parents will come complaining, well, it made my son cry. Well, why? Well, because he challenged them. So the teacher's like, this is teaching. So corporate America is getting this and they're screaming, what is this? Because remember, reading, math, science, these are all things that you could comprehend. It doesn't take much, it just takes effort. Unfortunately, we're not learning the life skills, and what's taking that away? Is these big, big dopamine hits? You know, when a kid gets in trouble, it's because he it could be because he was on his phone in the morning. He got this big dopamine and instant gratification. Now he's told sit an hour in a classroom. He can't, and now he has to do something spontaneous to get that dopamine hit, and he gets in trouble. And we know there's two things that are impossible to get in instantly: it's meaningful relationships. It takes time, and job satisfaction. You know, if me if I come to you as a stranger saying we're best friends, you'd call me insane. It's got to be a level of transactions. Unfortunately, there's none of that best friends happening anymore. It's all surface-based. And are we getting hurt by such people? Because we don't know how to read people in certain ways saying that this isn't somebody that I should trust. And it's scary. I'm mean, ringing the alarm bells telling people, wake up from this and take your free will back. And invest in the vision of the future that you want. Not what somebody suggests to you. Figure out what you're good at. Spend 16 hours a day. Somebody already went through what you went through. You want to become wealthy? Read a, read a book that somebody became wealthy. You want to become an artist, a painter, and be whatever it is. Somebody's already done it and wrote it in a book. Read it. 50% of people never finish a book again after high school. That's insanity. And we know reading is the exercise for the mind. Expands your brain. If you're not reading, and those 70,000 thoughts are the same thoughts as yesterday, then you're going to live a very familiar life that will never change. And the whole time you'll be complaining, it was my mother, it was the abuse, it was my ex-husband. And that'll be your excuse. And you're going to wait for the environment to change with that same personality. It's not. It's like touching the same button over and over again, and you get electrocuted with it over and over again, and now you're expecting a different outcome. It's called insanity. Change your personality to change your personal reality. It's that simple. And that's why you start off your day with success. Do your bed. It, eat a healthy breakfast. Eat the right food. <laughs> eat, get Dr. Daniel Amen. You know, I, I'm big in psychiatry. Yeah. You know, the things that he's doing, a revolutionary. There's Jim Quick. You want a better mind, better learner. There's Jim Quick. And for me, there's three people that have changed my life. First was Hajj Hassan and Rajabali. went to his lecture. I asked for it. I attracted it. Life-changing. The second was Malcolm X. X. His book, Autobiography, changed my life. Then the third person was Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a person that's revolutionizing the science world through the spiritual and demystifying the mystical through science. And he does meditation sessions all over the world. And people after three days, Days that have diabetes, limiting beliefs, depression. Within three days, four days, they're cured. And he's measuring it through science. So you can't argue because now it's scientific. It's repeatable. And he's doing it all over the world. So there's books that he's read, like You Are the Placebo, Becoming Supernatural, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And I've applied his rules to other people, and I'm seeing quicker results. So I've dealt with suicide people, people who have straight E's, get scholarships, Uh, marriage counseling that I've done and just by being observant and aware of their thoughts that they have and coming up with new thoughts and new ideas and and no longer surrendering the the belief of the past and the limiting thoughts so like if I were to ask you really quick give me one thought that you have that could be limiting either about Muslim vibe about personal anything
0: Uh, okay about if we're talking about the Muslim vibe it would definitely be capacity We've got a very small small team and not enough time.
1: Okay, but is that true? That you you need need a big team? Yes and no. (laughs) But is it true? Can you achieve greatness with the team that you have? Yeah, I believe so. So is it true that you have a small team and that's what's going to limit your success? Probably not, no. No. Look (laughs) at us. We're, we're a few people. We have a camp that's one in the world's over 100 acres. We have a school. And people say, "How did this come about? You guys have never done a fundraiser. You've never, you know, have never done certain things. Where did this come from?" Said so we have attracted it. We created it in the quantum world. And We gotta allow any of these limiting beliefs. Because if were somebody would have came to us as, "We're going to give 15 million dollars to build a school. No one's going to give you money." And if we would have surrendered to that belief, would we really and you be talking right now?
0: Probably not. No.
1: no. That's why one of my best friends is Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Said at third grade, he saw his mom going to work. He says, I want to get out of this reality. All he knew was basketball. So he'd wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He'd do his prayers. It was Chris Jackson at the time. And he'd go outside and it'd be raining. It'd be hot. He'd say, no excuses. And he became the stuffing in career of the 90s, where even now he's playing at the big three. He'll make 70, 80 threes in a row. But he envisioned himself signing autographs before anybody knew him playing basketball. He envisioned himself filling up the arenas. He envisioned himself being number one points per game in college as a freshman. It all came to fruition. But he created it and he embraced it within the reality of his mind first. So you need to do the same. But most of the things that you believe in when it comes to the Muslim part of the negative, you realize it's not true. That's why it's good to always write some of these things down and analyze. Is it true? That's why Dr. Daniel Amen is really good with that. And I and I believe in Scripture, that everything that we've talked about is within our Scripture. There's a universe within us, and we have to kill our egotistic self in this, and control this body to take our free will back. It's just like, like when we tell the kids, so, you know, you wake up, A 800-pound person wakes up middle of the night. And he opens up the fridge, he sees cupcakes. says, mmm, cupcakes. Because that's your, your body taking over. That's that habit. He's about to eat it. But then his conscious self, his spirit says, cupcake? You just ate 32 cupcakes two hours ago. You're 800 pounds. You... You don't have a job, you're not married. As soon as he surrenders to that belief that he should put the cupcake back for a better future and he does it enough times, what will happen? He will lose weight, get a job, get married. But he attracted all that. Most of us cannot put that cupcake back because we're so familiar with the habits that we currently have. And one of the ways to change that is through meditation of how it's going to feel when I no longer have this limiting belief, when I no longer have this cancer, when I no longer have these suicidal thoughts, when I no longer need love from somebody who abused me. How would that feel? And I'm I'm a big believer in that. Let's take our free will back and control our subconscious and rewire this computer program that we have that's at our body. And anything that you want it already exists within the quantum world. You just got to put your attention there. Where your attention goes, energy flows. And that to me, that we have a universe within us, if we just learn how to tap into it, and you become the placebo. You no longer allow the environment to determine that you think you're a loser, or you're overweight, or you're never going to get out of it. Do not surrender to that belief. It's not true.
0: You know, I, I think we're probably just about out of time but one thing that would be very helpful and interesting is if you're able to give me a list of, of books or recommend re- recommended reading yes. um, on these kinds of topics that we can share with the listeners. I would um, for
1: for the, for the phone, if you want to know the data of the phone, I would read iGen by Jenny Twig. Hmm. Um, for memory, to become better reader, leader, like I've learned, you, know, you got to read 15, 20 minutes a day. I'm, I'm trying to get it to I read a book a week. But there's a person named Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, that'll help you with this. In terms of negative suffering, I'd really read a book called Untethered Soul. It's helped a lot of people. And then there's a series by Khalil Jaffer. It's called Mm -hmm. End of Negative Suffering. I would really um, go go after that. In regard to the whole placebo, there's a great, you know, he has a lot of videos, Joe Dispenza. I would just pick him up and see if you click with it. And in, in terms of any other books, you know, on big uh, power of habit, you know, we're, we're in a book club right now. It's a good book to read. There's another book called Felicities of the Soul. You can get on l-islam.org for free. It's a great book. Don't just understand the soul. There's Man in the Universe. It's a life-changing book for me. Um, there's a simple read. If you want to read a book for your child or your teenager, it's called Chapwood Carry Water. It's actually a chop, book called Chop Wood, Carry Water.
0: Oh, okay, uh, Chop Wood. Okay, sorry. Chop Wood,
1: Carry Water. <laughs> it's a great book. It's falling in love with the process. Remember, success is dependent on willpower. Mm. If you study it, it's, it's everything, you know, is willpower. I'm, I'm, I'm cousins with the first two Muslims that went into West Point. And I asked them, How do you get into West Point? Well, you have to have a letter signed by the vice president or congressman. So 50% of people drop out after two weeks or 20% or something. So why do they drop out? And they've done studies. So because they lack the vision of the future of how it's going to feel when they overcome this tough act. And the people who lacked it dropped out. It wasn't the straight A students. It wasn't because of their parents it had nothing to do with it. Because straight A students would drop out. It was that lack of vision of that having that will to overcome that adversity. And they ended up, one of them is Norm Turfee and Robert Turfee. And Robert Turfee later, you know, again, successful, ended up having the will to create an idea and vision of the future. he ended up selling his IT company, I think, for $500 million. You know, I'm fascinated by I'm friends with a doctor that this surgery other doctors can do. He said, how'd you do it? He says, oh, in middle of the when everybody went off break on Christmas break, I stayed in my dorm, I put newspapers around my windows and I studied the books for next semester. I had that will, You know, when somebody says, I want to be an entrepreneur, I said, if you're hanging out with your boys on Saturdays and Sundays, you don't want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, said, At I said, we've done it for 12 years, 16 hour days every day to manifest this. What are you doing? You know, there's, there's great videos out there. Remember, ignorance now is a choice the knowledge out there you no longer need to go to a monk a buddha a chef and adiv to go and get knowledge it's at your doorsteps so knowledge is power but actually it's not just good to know you have to know how and one of the ways to do that is just inform yourself so there's people like in, in terms of the modern the ones that are doing well right now eric thomas one of the top motivational speakers used to eat out of garbage cans he said i had no business eating out of garbage can changed his life. There's a person named Inky Johnson. He woke up every day to play football. He was three ge- or seven games away of m- making the NFL. He got paralyzed. But he says, I worked too hard for this. There's no way this setback. There had to be a reason. And everybody said, oh, I, feel, he said, I don't feel bad. It's okay. So his wife's like, what are we going to do now? We're broke. God promised you a job. he didn't even give you. And now we're back to square one. What are we going to do? Says, I wrote this book. I'm gonna try to sell it. Says, well, who are you gonna go to? So I'm gonna go to Oprah. Oprah's the only billionaire black woman. She puts you on the bestseller list, you become an instant bestseller. She's like, Do you know Oprah? It's like, no. Says, but I already envisioned, embrace the fact that I'm gonna meet her. So he drove 10 hours from Atlanta to Chicago, however, however long, and he sees a sea of people. He kept praying to God, take me there. I've embraced the fact and surrendered and submitted to the belief she's gonna come. And eventually he ends up in the back of the building alone. And he's praying. And all of a sudden the car pulls up. Security guard comes out, opens the door, it's Oprah. He walks towards, he goes, Nice suit. Says, Oh, my name's Inky Johnson, I got this book. Can I take a picture, put it on Facebook? She says, No problem. She takes a picture. And if you Google it, Inky Johnson, Oprah. You'll see the picture that changed life. She walks away. The security guard comes back, taps him on the shoulder. Said, man, Oprah has never done this in 20 years. She's inviting you in the studio. They hit it off. She puts him on the book list. He's one of the top motivational speakers in the country. Wow. Multi-millionaire. Inky Johnson. It's insane. So my thing, if they could do it, yeah. why can't you? Somebody's already been through a worse situation than you have and have achieved high levels of success. What's your excuse? Read about it. Experience it. Travel. Tell parents want to change my son. Take them to a soup kitchen. Travel with them. Take them to third world countries. Allow them to see because if they find the passion in that, you're good. Because there's two ways to find passion naturally like that or through trauma. Life becomes very cool is when you do something that you're passionate about and you get paid for it. That's, That's where a life is really cool. So many people <laughs> are salary slaves to careers that they don't like because they don't want to take a chance. I was just speaking in New Jersey and you know, I'm also a public speaker. I speak yeah. in schools and, and I speak in New Jersey. A person says, if I'm not happy with my job, I'm gonna, what should you do? I said, Quit. I said, I know accountants that $200,000 in school debt because of the school they went to and only making $60,000 a year. It doesn't make accounting success uh, uh, sense. What are they doing? I said, they should quit, become an entrepreneur, take a chance in 20s and 30s and see what happens. So as I'm giving this conversation, the person comes to me after he's bawling, crying. I've never met this person in my life. So yesterday I was working and I decided to quit. I'm an accountant and I prayed to God, send me for guidance. I got this call to become an entrepreneur in Toronto as a business and I'm on my way to Toronto and somebody told us, stop, there's a person speaking. I'm giving a speech. We're doing the Q and A. He comes to me. He says, yesterday I was an accountant. Yesterday I prayed to God for help. Today I'm sitting next to somebody who's telling another person to quit if they're an accountant and take a chance. So if that's not divine, I don't know what it is. It's impossible for it to be a coincidence. And to me, this isn't something I just read from a book. I've applied it, and it keeps happening over and over. And I'm excited. We've done a lot in the last 10 years. I'm excited to see what happens in the next 10 years. But man, the negative forces are out there, and we have to learn how not to give them the energy. Just like for you, for you to go with a Muslim vibe, it's going to be the same trial in life. But when we realize the only thing that's limiting is ourselves and break that habit of being ourselves and keep demanding more of yourself, what are the things that can manifest for you to become supernatural
0: inshallah well thank you very much you've 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 given me a lot to think about like like the last time we spoke actually yeah um and and hopefully the listeners as well will 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 have benefited and and learned a few kind of principles to apply um I think, yeah, as you said, the the future, I mean, with Wise Academy, I I keep an eye out as well every now and then, and I just see that you guys are doing innovative, cool things, and and the camp seems to be growing every year. I actually attended uh, the camp before it was on the physical site that it was at. So it was just, I think it was called Tawheed Camp back then. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it was, I can't remember which part of the country it was in, but it was like, you know, they had rented a campsite for a couple of weeks and they were running it then to kind of see how it's as you said you know the the dream even then i remember they were talking about getting an actual site and owning it and and all of that stuff and and collectively you guys have managed to achieve that
1: right and when i first went into the camp hassan had just had bought it and i attracted myself to go there. i come to find out now in hindsight but i remember he told me i'm going to put the swimming pool for the girls there we're going to zip line here we're going to do the jet ski here the horseback so man, you're gonna spend $15 million on a place in the middle of nowhere. We have no money. What if nobody comes? So I tried to put a negative belief in him. And he looked at me and he says, if one person comes, I'm gonna do it. Don't worry. <laughs> and it did. I remember there was days where we needed two, three hundred thousand dollars. We prayed. The next day, out of nowhere, somebody would walk in the camp, say, Oh, you know, I'm supposed to go on an Alaskan cruise. You know, I, I ended up in Dearborn. I'm not, I'm not sure how I ended up here. My, parent, my my family wanted to come. I didn't want to be here. I come to your camp. Now I know why God sent me here. How much money do you need? We will never mention anything about money. And this is the day before we needed the money. So yeah. my thinking is the only reason we wouldn't have gotten that money is if we were to surrender to that belief that we wouldn't have. So no matter what you're going through in life, cancer, ailment, don't surrender to anybody's belief that you cannot overcome it. That's what prophets were were set for us to, to overcome that. And that's what religion, religion isn't just to get into heaven. Religion is to get close to that pure existence by doing his work. So find out what you're good at and passionate about and go after it. If you're in in, in a job right now that you really don't like, well, go start using your part-time, get off Netflix and start reading or investing in something that you do. And watch how that part time becomes full time. It manifests itself, and every human being in the world could do it. And let's stop hanging out and, and picking and gossiping and talking about other people's fault and past things about you know people's events. Let's embrace and help each other and encourage. And just find one person in your life that's like that. That's all you need.
0: And well, get I rid think of I, have, people I have.
1: Yeah, I,
0: if if you allow me to WhatsApp you more often, <laughs> I've I've got you in my life. <laughs> and I'm So
1: anybody would like to contact, you know, my um, Facebook is h uh, u s s e i n dot c h a r a r a dot one. It's got a Malcolm X picture. Instagram. You can even email me. And I think I'll just send you We're, so people can
0: contact we, me. Yeah, yeah, we, we can put your details in in the yeah. the episode. No, I'd love to come
1: to the UK to see the things that you guys are doing there too.
0: Hopefully, we, I mean, you know, invite it into your world, and hopefully, yeah. very soon exactly. it will happen. Yes, um, and that way I don't have to pay for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you very much once again for your time, and uh, inshallah, all the best. Inshallah, um, and I pray for
1: you, and I'm, I'm excited to see the type of vision that you have that's going to create another reality that's going to open up many many doors for you and it's exciting to watch other people do it so
0: that was my conversation with Hussain very very interesting philosophy I think one of the things that I kind of tried to take away from it and this is again something he told me when we met earlier this year was about attaching a positive emotion to the future where we want to be um, and I think that's such a powerful thing like when he asked me about 9-11 and where I was on that day I could remember instantly because I attach a negative emotion to it but we and again with positive experiences you know you, you, you remember these things so vividly because you you know you live it and then you relive it over and over again another example for me the Champions League final when when Liverpool beat AC Milan in 2005 I think it was 2005 I can't remember the year but I remember exactly where I was sat I remember who was with me. I remember everything about that day because it was such a a positive, emotive memory for me. That's looking back. Now, looking forward, we don't often attach emotions, be they positive or negative, with the future. But what if we started to do that? What if we were able to kind of, I guess, almost invite positivity into our life, invite the path towards what we want to achieve by attaching an emotion to it? Um it's it's a fascinating concept in my in my to be honest in my mind. Um and I think yeah, that's the one thing I'll probably um walk away from and, and, and try and I guess implement in my life and see where that takes me. Um But yeah, this has been another TMV podcast as always. Please be sure to subscribe um and tell your friends and family about us. I'm sure if you're enjoying it, they would too. So Yeah, tell the fam, tell the friends, tell whoever else you need to. um, And hit that subscribe button, please. That would mean a lot to us. So, yeah, that's everything. Uh, Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.